Abbey Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. Faster, my good afternoon. It is uh, just gone six minutes past two. I'm Christy Dehaven, and today we are back on the Conister Rock, where I'm delighted and maybe maybe a tiny bit apprehensive to be joined by uh, who are someone I would call a man of mischief uh, with a very recognisable voice and one or two famous catchphrases under his flat cap. He's a skilled tradesman, champion sidecar trialsman, after-dinner speaker and published author. He can hypnotise a chicken with a piece of chalk and I'm not sure if these two things are related but he's also the man tasked with keeping control of the world-famous purple helmets. Uh, I say keep control, Derry Kizik. That's probably not quite strictly true, is it? I don't think anyone can keep control of those boys, can they? <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. It's, uh, yeah, it's Derry here with the, with the lovely Christy and uh, I'm glad she said it was Conster Rocks because... Uh, the lads all said they'd never, ever hear me on Women Today, so just let's clear that up first of all, that it is Conister Rocks. It's not Women Today. And, uh, yes, it's uh, it's nice to be here. It's um, it's good to see everybody, so uh, take it away, Christy. <laughs> well, it's going to be you taking it away this afternoon, Derry. This is all about you, which I, I'm delighted to say, and we've got a, a, a packed show with uh, lots of background about Derry and also his musical choices, which will all be very intrigued to hear, I'm sure, over the next hour. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can text 166-177 or you can email studio at manxradio.com if you want to, I don't know, spill the beans on Derry. I'm sure there's some good stories out there <laughs> that people have. <laughs> they may not be printable, but... Um... <laughs> Does that mean they're not broadcast? Well, well, they might be, you know, it, it depends how broad-minded people are, really. <laughs> well, we're fairly broad, Christy, aren't we? How very dare you. But <laughs> moving on, so let's let's come back to the, the Purple Helmets a little bit later on in the show. But uh, but Derry, let's go back to little Derry Kizik, because you were born and grew up in Crosby, weren't you? And I have to say, having read through the, the glorious book that you gave me, which is uh, Do You Know Derry Kizik? Uh, as I mentioned, you are a published author. These are your memoirs. Having read through it, it just sounds like you had the most idyllic childhood in Crosby. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, it was it was magical um Christy, it, it really was a an open door village Crosby at the time, and I, and I, I was born as you say at a very early age, and because <laughs> it's it's what happens anyway. And um, my mum was great in her time. The door was open to all the kids in the village, and she would give them egg and chips or whatever was on the menu. And even the postman used to get his lunch sometimes. And old Robbie Kelly, he used to he used to come in the house on a wet day and. She'd give him a bowl of soup and um, probably held him up for quite a while, really. But uh, everything happened. It all took place. And it's a great expression, really. It'll all take place. I still say, don't panic. It'll all take place. And um, we had an old Morris car at the time. And in the summer months, my mum would round all the kids up and all the neighbours' kids. And she'd say to them, run home and tell your mum you're going to Peel Shore. So we'd all get in the Morris and down to Peel Beach and... um, ice creams and in the sea all afternoon. It was absolutely magic times. And then um, there's a stream that ran through Kizik's Yard at Crosby and full of trout. And we used to be down there soaking wet and absolutely saturated. And there was a mill dam at the top that used to drive a water wheel and we'd be in that and soak to the skin and tickling trout under the stones. And we used to go up to Balahari Farm at the back and help uh, John Nelson at the time and help in the hay it was just a magical time, really, and um, all summer long, 
your mum couldn't get you in the house because um, in the evenings there'd be two coats on the ground and we'd be playing footy and uh, she'd be shouting, come in the house, come in the house. And of course we'd just shout, five more minutes, mum, five <laughs> minutes. And Yeah, it was, it was, they were great days really, magical. And you, you very you have very fond memories of your parents, and it's, you can hear it with you talking about your mum now and, and your dad as well, and your uncle Henry's mentioned quite a lot in the book. And one of the things that you mention as you go through the book is that sort of the moment when you realise, looking back, that they gave up a lot for you to have that sort of quality of life as, as children, didn't they? Because they were hard times. Well, they were hard enough times, you know. That we never, ever went hungry, and we, we always did well, I think, really. Um, you know, it wasn't poverty or anything like that, but, I mean, at the time, there were poor families, and um, they had to get on as best they could. A lot of, a lot of farm workers at the time with um, quite big families, I would think, and um, there really wasn't much money about, but money money really is not the priority. It was the neighbourly aspect, and other people would look out for you, and if you were in mischief, the neighbours would give you a thick ear as well, and... I'm quite an advocate of just not not cruelty to children, but a bit of bit of a smack on the bottom or a, a thicky you now and again never did us any harm. Well, I don't think it did, but uh, well, I'm still here all these years later, and um, I think it teaches you some respect. I think yes, respect is 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 needed. I think in today's society, but you mention it, you're still here. It's kind of a miracle that you are still here, Derry, because one of the things I also noticed reading through the book, my word, you've had some drama in your life, haven't you? <laughs> well, I suppose I've caused a few as well. I've caused a few dramas, but I, I've had a few fair few accidents and uh, broken bones and a few serious illnesses, but I try to put that to, to the back of my mind because I think, well, I've had wonderful care from friends and neighbours and especially my lovely Tricia. She's looked after me and uh, seen me through a few rough patches, really, because yeah, I, I did actually die a couple of times. And I tell you, Christy, it's no big deal, really, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the two Ronnies used to say, death can be fatal, you know. Well, one of the things that we do on the Conister Rock, of course, is we do share music with people as well. And so I've, I've tasked you with choosing just five songs, which I know is quite cruel, isn't it? Because it's really hard to get down to just five songs. But let's let's give people a bit of a taster. Let's hear what your first song is. Tell us what it is and why you've chosen it. Well, I'm, I'm not normally a great fan of Oasis, but the one in particular that I do like is called Whatever. And there's quite a lot of violin and nice orchestra involved in it and it really is a lovely song but um i think the i think the gallagher fellas are a bit arrogant if you like but i quite like this song christy <laughs> they're arrogant but they make some good music <laughs> so this is the first choice of my studio guests this afternoon uh, Derry kizik if you've got any questions or comments for him we've had a few come in already one double six one double seven this is oasis and whatever <laughs> Oasis 
whatever. And it's the first choice of my studio guest this afternoon, Derry Kizik. I think some people might be su- quite surprised about you choosing Oasis, Derry. <laughs> I should imagine they will be because uh, <laughs> those boys are from Manchester, aren't they? Well, you <laughs> nearly didn't spend all of your life here because you almost emigrated to Canada, didn't you? Yeah, we did. In, in, in the 1950s, I think it was about 1957 or 58, and things were really quite you know, very quiet in the building trade. And my dad had um, a cousin in Canada who had a big lumber mill and he wanted to retire. And he almost persuaded my dad to go because at the time they were they were doing the 10 quid fare to Australia, a 10 quid fare to Canada um, to start a new life there. And um, I think we only stayed because my granddad took bad. And, um, well, I'm glad we did because uh, I'm Manx through and through, as you can probably hear. And uh, I love the place. I'm always glad to get back. I call it home to the Isle of Man. It's a wonderful place to live. And people that moan and groan about things, they should stop for a moment and see what a lovely place we live in and what a safe environment. And it's just beautiful. And like my old dad used to say, it might cost a bit on the boat, but look at it this way, son. He used to say, it keeps the riffraff out. <laughs> Oh, he's full of wisdom, this man, isn't he? And other stuff as well. Uh, so we're having some lovely messages in. Um, Fran Dooley wants to say hello to you, Derry. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we've also had, uh, I, I bet the stories behind all of these that we're probably not going to go into. Uh, Richie Creer has asked us um, something that I'm not going to repeat because he wants you to tell a story that we're just not going to go there, are we, Derry? No, <laughs> I, I can't, uh, Richie, I think I know the one you mean and I can't just broadcast that at the moment. <laughs> I think there'll be a few more of those. Jew uh, and Dogger has messaged in as well. Uh, John Dog's son, he's messaged in too. And uh, yeah, he's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna run this phrase by you before I say it on air, in case he's trying to get me into trouble, which Jew and probably would do. But uh, if you've got any messages for Jerry, we'd love to hear from you. One double six, one double seven. You can email studio at manxradio.com. We'll get the ad break out of the way, and then we'll have much more music and chat with Derry over the course of the next hour. One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas so you can fit your dental care into your working day. And you are on the Coniston Rock this afternoon with myself, Christy, and Derry Kizik. We're having great fun in the studio here. But before we move on with more questions, I've actually got a shout out to anyone that's in the vicinity of Manx Radio or in the building. If anyone happens to have a harmonica, Bring it up to the studio, because uh, Derry's got a party trick, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be in D. <laughs> if it's in D, then he'll show us his party trick. So uh, if anyone's got one, do drop it up. In the meantime, um, yes, we are sharing music and memories with Derry. Uh, do not adjust your sets. We have the world-famous commentator with us. World's finest, I'm going to call you. The world's finest commentator. And it says here, President Derry Kizik as well. Mm-hmm. What fools made you a president then, Derry? <laughs> well, I do hope the honour of, of being the president of the, the Southern Motorcycle Club that uh, it's a, an honorary post obviously that I've held for some years after being the chairman for many many years and um, well, they honoured me with being Mr President so I'm very proud to say after some 40 years with the Southern Motorcycle Club the off-road club that um, yeah I'm still above ground <laughs> that's what I tell people I, I was 70 the other day and uh, the girls on the 
on the livery yard gave me a t-shirt and it says on it i'm still above ground it's <laughs> <laughs> a great phrase and speaking of you've got you've got a long history obviously with motorcycles and motor vehicles in general mm. and i think it was um 1964 was it when you bought your first trials bike what what do you remember of that well it's a mixed blessings really i i i've been on motorbikes since i was about eight or nine and mainly things made up out of junk and um, the first one, I think, was a little cycle motor that fitted on the front wheel of a push bike, and it wasn't very good, but we progressed to BSA Bantams and, and then to Villiers Engines, and by the time it was 1964, I, I had my eye on a Greaves Scottish Trials bike, and I eventually bought that and started in trials, and I, I've had a wonderful life, really, in the motorcycling fraternity, where there's there's absolutely no hassle, there's no no argy-bargy as such, everybody's good friends, and it's a wonderful way to spend your life, really, because, um, you know, I, I went into sidecars after that, and um, only because I couldn't afford a better bike, you could buy an old four-stroke trials bike and put a sidecar on it and have a great time with that for 10 quid, and <laughs> at the time I was only getting two or three pounds a week as an apprentice joiner, and, um, yeah, I'm glad I did, really, and there's a great gang of guys involved in it all so why trials then and not roads and racing in that respect because obviously well, with the a, tt here <laughs> uh, there is a reason when i was when i was 16 i went to watch the southern hundred with some mates and quite fancied that because i did like greaves bikes and at the time there was a, a Greaves silverstone racer and i i was keyed up i was gonna buy one of these and i went home went home and told my mum I said, Mum, I'm, I'm going to buy a Greaves Silverstone when I save up enough money. And she said, oh, oh, really? Well, you can find somewhere to live if you do that, because you're not going to live here, and I'm not going to worry about you. And uh, she made lovely bonnags and things, and I didn't want to leave home. Oh, isn't that nice? That makes sense. And even though you did have a, a fair few crashes anyway when you were out <laughs> and about. But you had some some really good successes with your sidecar trials, didn't you? And you and your passenger, Phil, had yeah. a lot of wins together over about 30 years or so, we wasn't did. it? We did indeed. We won lots of won lots of things. And, um, you know, it, it all seems like many, many, well, it's 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And um, the years go very quickly. But we, we won most of what was about to be won and did well in national trials and things. And, yeah, it was a great time for us, really. And, and there was also a, a, a revolutionary invention as well. Oh, it, well tell us about well, that. Well, this, this goes back to my great friend, Billy Cleland, over at Langigan Farm. And uh, if you're listening, Billy, I won't, uh, I won't let any secrets out, but he invented this thing called the, the Cleland, and, uh, Cleland Adjustable Wheel. Uh, we had it on, fitted on the sidecars, and he had one, and I had one, and they were revolutionary. Where the sidecar, you could alter the camber of the bike, and uh, like Freddie Dixon in the TT in 1923, he had the revolutionary banking sidecar, but um, he didn't do trials with with his, and uh, Billy invented it for trials. So if you're listening, Billy, the cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> Now, speaking of the TT as well, you actually had, you managed to get sort of quite a unique perspective on the TT course, didn't you? Because one of the firms you're working with, Kizik Brothers, um, actually got to be the, the, the uh, course contractor, didn't they? Well, yes, we, 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 were, we were offered that job actually way back, I think it was 1972 or 73, and the late Ken Harding was a great friend of mine. Um, his wife, Ella, was the matron at Nobles Hospital. They were really, really nice people, and um, 
Ken said to me one day that the, the contractor, uh, Les Clark, was going to retire and uh, he thought that Keswick Brothers of Crosby would be just the firm to take it over. And um, we did start on it and uh, in total, I think my brother, after I'd left him, my brother did something like 35 years as the course contractor with his sons and um, it was more than a third of the life of the TT itself, so it was quite a big piece of history. And what were some of the, the biggest sort of challenges then? What, what were some of the things you actually had to do as part of that work? Well, you put all the straw bags and the bales out and everything every year, but um, my brother invented a few things to make things better and all the steps that you see along the side of the road at the grandstand where they step up to fill the, the, the quick fillers, he made all those and uh, he, he used to be quite innovative with them. Um, it's quite hard to say innovative, actually, <laughs> but there you go. And uh, he would make things to make the job better. And um, it was quite a good winter work scheme, really. So there was a lot of history involved in it. So you've actually been involved, like you said, in some of the, the big sort of history on the island. And as, as well, you mentioned in your book, uh, you're involved with laying what we think was the first tarmac runway at Ronald's Way, even. Well, I think <laughs> I think that's true to say. We we had a fleet of wagons there at Poor Town, um, oh, around about 1989 or 90, I think it was. And up till then, the concrete, uh, the, the runways had been done in concrete, I think. And, uh, well, this is the story that I have it anyway. And uh, we were on a ton mile from Poor Town up through Foxdale and down Ballamorda, through Castletown and out along Derby Haven and we'd come in the back gate to the runway by Hango Hill and um, they were all little four-wheel wagons at the time and um, I had Fords and uh, some of the boys had Bedfords and a few Leylands but they've all disappeared now, all the little four-wheelers and there was great camaraderie with the, with the men. Um, I think that's been lost really because we were all privateers at the time and There'd be Cranes from Foxdale and Kenny Kinraid from Laxey and my brother Howard from Crosby and, oh, Nelson's, Nelson Tarmac and um, Terry Shepherd. I, I, there was dozens of these little wagons carting this tarmac and it was it was good fun, I have to say. It, a part of my life, you know, it's... Um, I'd almost forgotten about that, Christy. That seems quite a while ago now. See, that's why it's great that you've written your memoirs. So uh, we, we can all read about it. And your memories are absolutely incredible, I have to say, the things that you remember. And one thing that, that really fascinates me is this sort of obsessive memory you have for registration plates, which well, you seem to remember people buy their registration plates going back to the 50s. <laughs> well, I, I have been taken to task on that a few times, I have to say, because uh, one of my great mates, AJ... He said that uh, the book I wrote was a great cure for insomnia. He said, you only have to pick it up, he said, and look at a few pages and it puts you to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Well, Derry, we are sharing music as well on today's programme. And uh, your next song comes from the group Boston. Tell us about this and why you've chosen it. Well, it it, it reminds me really of the TT. Years ago, you know, TT music would come on Manx Radio and Manx Radio is a very big part of the TT, as everybody knows, and long may it be so. Um, Thank and you. <laughs> Boston, more than a feeling, and Santana, Smooth, and Meatloaf, those sort of things used to boom out. And you knew that Radio TT had started, and, you know, as, as I say, the, the Manx Radio is a big part of the TT, and ironically, the Purple Helmets are now. They're a very big part of the TT, so... Um, I just love it. I love the atmosphere. I love the fortnight. And I, I feel like 
saying on on sad sunday which is the last sunday i feel like saying don't go home come back come back and the island then seems to deflate but um that's why i i like the tt music and yeah i hope everybody else enjoys it too song Boston more than a feeling as chosen by my studio guest this afternoon Derry Kizik who's sharing music and memories with us uh, speaking of music uh, I've got a got a message to read for you here Derry it might upset you a little bit uh-huh. right David Stevens MBE would like to say first of all hi Derry so chuffed we both survived the big C often <laughs> think of our random meetings comparing notes <laughs> but Oasis really is <laughs> not happy with your music choice now listen doc it's my <laughs> choice today They'll have you on some other day now. You can pick your music, but I I like that one, that particular song. And good to hear you, David. Good to hear you. Good man. And we've had a message here as well from Sparky, who says, Great man, Derry. Always a tail in a cuppa when I delivered the post up there. Retired now, but I do try to pop up. So that's from Sparky as well. Sparky Parkinson. Hey, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and one more here, which I think you've got a story about with this one. Good to hear, Al Kizik. Say hello from me. Uh, had a big go at me two years ago, but I'm... St- the Big C had a big go at me two years ago too, but I'm still here. Neil Cleverly. You know oh, that name, Neil, don't you? Oh, Neil. Hello, boy. Yeah, Neil Neil gave us one of the Hondas, actually, for the for the team, for the for the Purple Helmets. And um, I think it was 3043 man or 3033 man, the number of it. And uh, it, it's still got the registration plate on, and it is actually the long bike that we use that seats eight. So, Neil, thank you for that. Hope you're doing well, boy. Fantastic. Well, we will be talking about the Purple Helmets in just a few minutes' time, but we're joined by Derry Kizik until three o'clock. So, if you've got any messages for him, one double six one double seven, or you can email studio at manxradio.com. The Nation Station, Manx Radio. Abbey Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. And we are on the Conister Rock this afternoon with the fabulous, world-famous commentator. We've got Mr Derry Kizik with us at speeds approaching 100 miles an hour, no less. <laughs> it's so lovely to have you with us, Derry, it really is. And we are going <laughs> to talk about the world-famous yeah. Purple Helmets now. This all, they, it actually started uh, from an event with Steve Colley, didn't it? Tell us about that, yeah. how the Purple Helmets came together. It did indeed. And um, Steve's great. He's still around. <laughs> Hello, Steve. Hey, he's he's a good man, and uh, he he was appearing for the Southern Motorcycle Club because at the time the story is that the club was very short of funds, and we had helped Steve previously in his career, and uh, he agreed to do a, a show for us, and uh, he said, "Well, I can't just keep going all all evening. I I need a backup act, so that's where we came in. You see, and." Uh, I knew the lads at the time uh, that they, they had these big coats and Hondas and things, but they were just 
sort of messing about a bit and, and going to the 16 euro with them. And um, I, I, I suppose I got the credit really for getting them into show business, Christy, <laughs> <laughs> if you could call it show business. It's absolutely madcap stuff. And uh, to start with, there was just eight of them. But um, a fantastic thing that uh, people, you could lip read them as these, these eight people appeared with these coats on. I can't say the actual the actual words but if you could lip read it was uh, quite something to see the crowd doing this and um, the only piece of ground we could think of at the time was a bit of a test track behind the testing station up at Tremode and it must have been the worst place possible really because you know how a, an amphitheater rises up above the venue well this actually fell away below the barrier so that nobody could see <laughs> <laughs> But it turned out to be such a great success that uh, from then on we we, we got Onken Stadium, and uh, we've actually we actually did twenty two years or possibly yeah twenty two years we did in the stadium, and it was a huge pull in TT Week with thousands of people being entertained and um, it it's sort of mind blown really to think that at the start um, nobody had ever heard of us and it was very tongue in cheek. Um, we, the lads decided they'd wear dark glasses and look cool. And um, I think it was Jimmy Davidson said, well, we'll call ourselves the world famous Purple Helmets purely because nobody had ever heard of us. <laughs> and now, ironically, they, they really are world famous. They've travelled the world. They have, haven't they? And it's it, just an interesting note because I, I didn't know this until, until I read your book that actually it, it was originally Roy Moore, wasn't it? The, the sort of commentator for them at the very, very beginning days. But then, as you said, yeah. you, you sort of took over. And, uh, well, Roy, uh, Roy was very clued up on Steve Colley. He'd followed his career and uh, he knew everything Steve had done and how he came to be British champion and that sort of thing. Well, that was a bit out of my remit, but... Um, Roy, uh, he'd be the first to admit when he first saw the Purple Helmets and they started to fall off. I think he, he was a bit nonplussed by it. And eventually he did hand it over to me and um, chucked me in at the deep end, really, because Roy had done quite a lot of commentating by this time at the, at the races. And um, apart from a few obituaries and eulogies, I hadn't really done very much. Maybe a bit of after-dinner speaking here and there. But um, I sort of had to get on with it and... Um, I mean, that was 22 years ago, I think, and um, that's what I do now. <laughs> and if there's such brilliant humour to it, how on earth you managed to somehow just keep it on the edge of clean for the children in the audience, yeah. I don't know, but you do manage it uh, every single time. Mm. But um, I wonder if some of that comes from, because you, you were part of a youth club, weren't you, and you used to do the odd sort of co comedy sketch in a youth yeah, club when you were yeah. young. Well, that was great stuff. That was at uh, the Methodist Hall in Crosby. In the, in the Station Road, as we used to call it. I think they call it Old School Road now, but it was always Station Road when we were kids. And uh, there was lots of stories down there as well, but uh, the youth club was run by the Gelling family and our great neighbours from Woodley next door. And um, uh, there was Vorrie and Joyce and George and especially Johnny Gelling. And they more or less ran the youth club and looked after all the, the youngsters in Crosby. And they were a wonderful family roundabout. And... They used to put on a show for the ploughing match concert and that sort of thing. So from the age of, I don't know, nine or ten, I got into being 
a bit of an entertainer, I suppose, but um, not of any much quality. But uh, we all did our best. That was how it started. And although I think it's safe to say that you weren't you weren't really a fan of school, or maybe it wasn't a fan of you one way or the I, other. But I you, was not. <laughs> I was not. But having said that, you did just say off air to me that um, some of the things that you learned at the collegiate has, have actually helped with your commentating. I think so. In in life in general, I must say I never liked uh, the collegiate school. It was a quite a Victorian private school up at Mount Bradder, and um, the teachers were two spinsters, Lottie and Eileen Reed. But the the happy bit for me was that their brother was Bertie Reed, and his daughter married Jeff Duke, and uh, Jeff Duke had all his trophies at the collegiate school. So that lightened the mood a bit. We I didn't mind going to school because I could see Jeff Duke's trophies. And uh, they were hot on English grammar, English language, and um, it has stood me in good stead for in life through uh, with good grammar and punctuation and that sort of thing. And consequently, I always found English uh, to be my best subject. It was very easy to follow, and that's probably because of the collegiate school. But um, I was quite glad to leave there, actually, in about 1957, I think it was quite a long, quite a long time ago, Christy. <laughs> and uh, went to Braddon School and the reason we went to Braddon School instead of Moran School was that Braddon, believe it or not, they had flush toilets and at Moran School up on the hill they still had dry toilets there well into the 1960s. It's hard to believe now with all these modern schools but um, the kids were still sent out at a very much higher level than the education system today, I feel. When we when we left primary school, we could read and write. And I, I think it's a bit sadly lacking now. Everybody has to use a spell check. And uh, I shouldn't preach, really, so you'd better cut me off now. <laughs> well, do you know what, then? It's a perfect time to, to put your next song on, w- w- which has the lyrics, you say it best when you say nothing at all. <laughs> so tell us, no. tell us why you've chosen well, this uh, one, Derry. I've chosen this. It's very special to me. Um, I remember being at a, a lovely wedding in the Grand Island, um, for Andy Walton and Denise, and um, this was playing, and it was I'd been I'd met my Trisha about a, possibly I don't know six months previously, and um, I think when this played, I, I suddenly realised that I loved her, and this is why I love this song. It is a beautiful song, and it's certainly showing that Derry Kizik has a soft side. You do, don't you, Derry? That is a beautiful piece of music. And just remind everyone again who you're dedicating that one to. I'm dedicating that to my lovely Tricia. I don't know if you're listening, darling, but <laughs> love you loads. <laughs> that is absolutely beautiful. So we, we are joined by Derry Kizik just for another sort of 10 minutes or so. We've got some lovely messages coming in. Uh, one from Jane here who says, Derry was a young fellow and I knew him working at Doughty's. Do you know who that is, Jane from Doughty's? I think I do. It's, I think it's Jane Waters and I haven't seen you for 50 years, Jane, but you're always a good girl, a good laugh, eh? 
Isn't, Top girl. Isn't it funny how that can happen on the Isle of Man, that you can you can still be on the same island mm. and not see someone 50 years? Uh, Billy messaged in to say, I'm listening, enjoying the programme and your memories. I'm still above ground yet. Pop up and see me sometime. And that's me old mate, Billy Cleland. Hey, boy, help me up. Hey. So there you go. And uh, one from Broken Davy here saying, the test centre show that I think was 94 or 95, I was there, good show that. And then yeah. he, he repeats one of the phrases that you say that I'm not going to say on air. <laughs> but uh, there you go, that as uh, well. Great things from Little Acorns, Davy. Hey, Do you know what? Things. That's a lovely link, that right there, mm. Derry, talking about great things from Little Acorns, because you suddenly decided one day to buy a derelict farm <laughs> and 20-something years uh, later, you've yeah. rebuilt it and it's where you live now. What on earth made uh, you decide to want to do that? Well, there was a reason for that as well. There's, there's usually a reason. And um, I had a great old mate at work, Mike Corris, who used to drive the digger for Skillicons. And he said to me one day, do you want the old fire station down in Lord Street? He said, I've got the chance to take it down. And if you'll help me, you can have the steelwork. And I said, yes, we'll, we'll do that, Michael. I think it was for Billy Corkish, the builder. And uh, we took it down and I stored the steel with a view to using it for my building business and uh, a new workshop, you see. Well, I looked all over the place to put this shed up and couldn't find anywhere. And one day I was working up at Balakane for, for Chris Kenyuk and the Kenyuk family and I looked over the wall and I could see a derelict farm and eventually I got to buy it just to put the shed up. <laughs> that was all it started with. And I, I, when I'd uh, bought the farm, I thought, well, why am I bothering with the building trade? So um, I packed up the building trade, and I, I kept... Uh, the, the digger was brand new at the time, and a digger and a lorry, and I, I drove them all day, every day for, for my business, and uh, got enough money out of that to gradually rebuild the farm a bit at a time. So every night when I came home from work, I'd get the mixer going and get stuck in and start working on the buildings and one by one I saved the buildings that were there and then I did put the the fire station building up and that's my main garage now and I built some other buildings and a new house and uh, I really love it and I'm very proud of it and consequently I have become a bit of a farmer I don't suppose I don't suppose I'm a real farmer in terms of uh, cows and sheep but I look after Stan Skinner's sheep all winter there are about 150 sheep which I enjoy, and then um, when they're gone, we put the dung back on the land, often with the help of my old friend Fred Clegg. Fred's a great neighbour. And um, crop the hay. We've just got some lovely haylage there now and filled the barn. And uh, I really love what I do, Christy. I, I, I wish I'd packed up the building trade years before, really. But then I guess you wouldn't have necessarily had the skills, you know, sort of in place to be able to do well, what you've done with the farm. And it's you've got 45 acres there and you've got horses in livery and all kinds of things. It must be never a dull day on Derry's farm. N never a dull day. <laughs> and I love to see people. But uh, Tricia looks after all the horses and the liveries. She's brilliant at all that sort of thing and a wonderful rider and a venter herself. And uh, she knows what she's talking about. And that's I've always thought in life. It's no good doing something if you don't do it right. And you've got to do it right. You've got to know what you're talking about. So I've never really got into the cattle and stuff because, um, well, I wouldn't know what I was doing, to be quite honest. <laughs> but I'm having a fair go at the old horse ranch. And um, I'd like to thank everybody that that helps me with it. And, um, yeah, you know, the boys rally round for the hay and that sort of thing. 
Ah, wonderful times, wonderful times. It just seems like, you know, just talking to you over the, the course of this, this last hour or so, and obviously we could talk for hours, but unfortunately we've pretty much run out of time. We need to hear a bit of your last song. But it seems like you've really hit on something, Derry, and that you've really sort of worked out what it is that makes it a, a good and happy life. What, what sort of advice would you give to someone who's just thinking, oh, I don't really know how to, how to do this thing called life? Well, I think that the, the answer to it is to be decent to people and, you know, don't do anything to anybody else that, that you wouldn't do to them and, and uh, do your best for people. And believe me, it's not about money because I haven't died a couple of times. I can tell you something. The, the money really wouldn't make much difference to that. And um, contentment is the spice of life. Absolutely contentment. Enough is enough and enough's all you need. You don't need to be a millionaire and be mean with it. The, the money's for, it's made round to go round, and I think that's what's uh, brought me happiness, that I, I try to help a bit with charity and that sort of thing. And, um, well, love, love, I love people and love your neighbours, and I think it rubs off, and they'll come and help you if you help them. I think that's the secret to it, Christy. And it is a perfect link into your final song choice. Uh, Derry Kizik, what have you chosen to end the show with this afternoon? Well, you know, I, Tricia loves uh, the Elton John stuff, and I must say I do love this particular song. You know, it's um, it's very special to me. It says, can you feel the love tonight? You're a softie at heart, Derry Kissick, <laughs> aren't you? If you've missed any part of today's programme, we'll be able to listen back to it again and watch bits of it on the Manx Radio portal after the show. But for now, Derry, thank you and goodbye. Well, thank you for having me, Christy. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for texting in. Cheers, everybody. Sharp day when the heat of a rolling wind can't be turned away. An enchanted moment, and it sees me through. It's enough for this restless warrior just to be. One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas, so you can fit your dental care into your working day.